Hey everyone, happy Sunday. My name is Andrew, one of the pastors here at Sanctuary Church. Great to be with you. Uh, what an incredibly hard, strange, complicated, um, uh, and raging um, week. I don't know how you're feeling right now. Um, I, I wanted to encourage you, uh, for those of you who didn't know, on um, this past Wednesday when the siege happened at the Capitol, uh, 60-some people came together last minute on Zoom to pray in our church. And I share that to be encouraged because it was one of those moments where I just realized um, the grace um, that our church is, that the body of Christ in general is, um, that God would grant us each other to carry one another's burdens, to cry with each other, to lift one another up, to pray just prayers of faith and hope and love. It was uh, profound. Corey and I, my wife, got off the call and um, we both found ourselves just sort of overcome with peace. And and Corey turned to me and said something to the effect of, um, I I didn't know I needed that. I didn't know I needed to be with, with my people, with the family of God. Uh, proclaiming what we know about God and what what we know to be true um, and to remember that God is on the throne, to remember that uh, Christ is making all things new. And though, yes, we get to join him in that work day in and day out, um, that we do not need to fear. Uh, And so um, it was just a reminder, uh, for those of you who are new, we're in the middle of this three-week uh, season that we do every January called First Seek, where we just carve out some intentional time to pray and fast in general, to recalibrate our hearts, um, to uh, reset our rhythms, and, um, and to acknowledge that prayer is not a, sort of a last resort, but is, is our like, first move as we head into a new season. In the midst of First Seek, um, that's something as, as horrible as this would happen. It just drove so many of us to pray. Um, and it, it, what it did um, is it reminded me uh, of something last week when I was outlining a bit of why we do this, of a, a little throwaway moment in my message where I just mentioned, you know, we're going to come up again and again in our life Um, against a moment where we need to pray as Jesus prayed in the garden. For those of you um, unfamiliar with the story, before Jesus goes to his death, he has this moment, uh, right? The the son of God, fully God and fully human, prays. He says, Lord, would you take this cup from me? In other words, I don't want to have to go to the cross. A pretty normal request, right? I don't want to go to my execution, like, would you, would you do this? Would you take this away? And then he says, but not my will, but yours be done. And I mentioned last week that we're gonna come up against these moments time and again. And in some ways, what First Seek is about is embodying that posture of surrender. And it, it reminded me of, of um, this prayer, uh, the prayer of relinquishment, which is what that prayer is, this prayer of deep surrender. And I think more than ever, not just that we're in a season of first seek, but in this cultural moment right now, um, we need to press into this prayer, this prayer of relinquishment. So I just want to talk for a few minutes about that. Um, so I want to pray with us, and then we're going to jump right into the text today. It is great to be with you. Uh, let me say, just before I pray, uh, if you need need anything, if you just need to connect with someone, connect with me, with one of our leaders, um, 
if you uh, just you need to be with your home churches, our home churches kind of kick back into their rhythm in another week or two, uh, and you need to reach out um, and you need help doing that, like l- please let us help you. We are here uh, to help you walk through whatever it is you need um, walking through right now. We want to be a support. We want to make sure there are no needy among us. Um, and so um, lean. I just want to encourage all of you, lean on each other. There are so many who... Um, are going through it right now, and then there are so many who are um, who are thriving, who really are full of so much faith and hope, and have something to give. And so we need each other, um, yeah, more than ever in this moment. Let me pray for us, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. We thank you. Um, I thank you for the reminders throughout this past week of your presence with us. I thank you for the words that you've spoken over our community, for the way that you, I just felt like I was watching you in real time wipe away tears from people's eyes. The great confidence and hope and even joy that we can have in the midst of trials, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of, midst of unrest, Lord. The great reminders that have uh, I feel like been pouring over our church of where our hope ultimately lies and it's definitely nowhere near uh, Washington, D.C. And so I just, I thank you and I praise you and I hope um, this little dive into um, uh, Christ's words, Christ's words of surrender, Lord, would encourage us and equip us to walk um, with just more power and more hope in this season. Pray all of this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke 22. <clears throat> Luke 22. And we're going to begin at verse 39. This is right before uh, Jesus is about to um, head to the cross. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples, his apprentices, followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. He knelt down and he prayed. And this is what he prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. We read later, he was in anguish and he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus is, uh, is putting on a workshop on one of the most profound ways that we can pray. We have the incarnate son of God praying through tears and not receiving what he asks. He asks, is there any other way? That's what it means, like take this cup from me. Is there any other way? Can people be redeemed by some other means? Will you take this cup? As far as I can tell, this is the only place where Jesus is praying for himself. And in this one place where we find Jesus praying for himself, he gets unanswered prayer. Here we have the complete laying down of human will. Jesus, fully God and fully man, acknowledging what he's feeling in the depths of his bones. So we all know 
I don't need to like belabor this. We all know that we are prone to uh, the prayer, my will be done. Thy will be done, for those of you who've grown up um, in the way of Jesus, sounds really nice as long as it doesn't mess with my will. Like we are fine with thy until it crosses, like <laughs> crosses the path of ours. Jesus here is concerned primarily with his father's will. He shows the way of abandonment, right? There's this posture of surrender. Or again, this word we're gonna use today, relinquishment. Jesus is showing us my will, my way, my good that has to yield. Write the word yield down. It must bow to a higher authority. So needless to say, this is not easy. Jesus is struggling. He asks multiple times. We see this throughout scripture. Uh, again, if you're familiar with the, with, uh, with the Bible, Abraham uh, relinquishes his son Isaac. Moses relinquishes his understanding of how uh, like the delivered Israel is supposed to function. David relinquishes the son given to him by Bathsheba. Mary, as she relinquishes control over her future. My favorite story of relinquishment, of letting go, is, uh, is Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, if you want to turn with me there. This will also be on the screen. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults. I delight in weaknesses and insults, in hardships. He's delighting in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Struggle is important because the prayer of relinquishment is... Um, is it a truly Christian prayer? And I want to separate it from fatalism. This is not fatalism. We do not resign ourselves to fate. It is not resignation. Um, it, it, is, it is about um, truly like surrendering and being open. This prayer actually moves us from a place of struggling to releasing. We are in an unbelievably uncertain moment. We have been for a while now. And not just on this macro scale, the uncertainty in DC, but just talking to people throughout the last week of like seeing folks struggling with finances, the conflict happening between friends, uh, depression and anxiety. It's like, it's one thing to read the stats about all of this happening. It's another thing to see it firsthand. So many of the shepherds, home church leaders, folks in our community who are helping walk with others are seeing this again and again. And it feels like it has just ramped up more and more and more. This prayer is so helpful in these moments because it moves us um, from a place of struggling and holding tight to releasing. The prayer of relinquishment is a like release of my circumstances with hope. It's working to accept God's will, whether it's known or whether it's unknown. It's, it's willing to accept that is different, so much different than just resignation.
Acceptance involves recognizing my limits, but still remaining engaged so that we can see and respond when there is an opportunity to take action, because often there is. You can think of it like active humility. Acceptance, again, versus resignation. Acceptance is this beautiful and positive thing where resignation uh, can send us into a spiral. Acceptance it has a creative function and aspect to it where resignation is almost sterile. Ultimately, um, this is about trust, about trust in God versus closing the door on God. You can think of it like this. Um, I was trying to imagine like a specific story in my life and I couldn't think of one, but I, I had this like uh, this sort of echo of an echo of a memory in my mind, just thinking of the amount of times that I would, like, I grew up in a house just full of boys, and we would just break things all the time. And just try to think of a time where, like, um, I'm trying to fix a toy, or just imagine, uh, maybe this was you, like, trying to fix a toy that you had broken. Uh, and you finally just give up, and you take it to mom or dad, because you know that they can fix anything. And then um, they begin like working on the toy and you're like sort of telling them, especially when I get a little older, I was, you know, a little strong-willed child. And I'd tell like my dad or my mom, like, no, 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 this is how you fix it. This is how you fix it. Finally, like you give up and you just go away and you get busy doing something else completely. And it's like in that moment, it's like mom or dad goes away and fixes the toy. Like that's the way it is with God so often. It's like an invitation to have very real faith to let God fix our issues without telling him how to do it. Acceptance, this is about being open. We're just being resigned to fate. Resignation is, is a closed posture. This is hope versus despair. Resignation comes with thoughts like this. I'll, uh, I'll just have to put up with it or just make the best of it. Just make do. It feels almost forced upon us. We feel stuck with our circumstances, powerless to change them. Sometimes we don't even, uh, I don't know if you're like me, I don't even try. And when opportunities for change occur, then we sort of miss them because we have sort of written it all off. The prayer of relinquishment moves us from struggling to releasing. So why pray this prayer? A couple of reasons. I think we need to pray this prayer, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Because our vision is way too small. Frequently we hold on so tightly to the good that we do know that we can't receive the greater good that we do not know. God has to help us to let go of our tiny vision in order to release the greater good that he has in store for us. Anyone just feel like they have this small scarcity view of God's goodness? A second reason why we need to pray this prayer, why I think this prayer of relinquishment is so crucial in this time is this is where transformation is truly gonna occur is in a prayer like this. Because this prayer brings us to death. And we know throughout scripture, death is the engine to life. It is the crucifixion of the will. There's a gift in dying to yourself. Paul knew what a great gift that this was. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. He like joyfully announces this. This is relinquishment, crucifixion. There is a death to the self-life. And there's then a releasing of hope. 
says in Galatians 2, uh, 19 to 20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I don't, it's not so much me as it is Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There is so much freedom in this idea. This crucifixion of the will, it's freedom from what uh, Tozer called the fine threads of the self-life. He calls them the hyphenated sins of the human spirit, the hyphenated sins of the human spirit. This is what he means. It's freedom from self-sins, like self-sufficiency, self-pity, self-absorption, self-abuse, self-aggrandizement, self-deception, self-exaltation, self-depreciation, self-indulgence, self-hatred, all sorts of other ones I can't think of. It means freedom from the everlasting burden of always having to get our own way. Hear that for a minute. Freedom from the everlasting burden of always having to get your own way. It means freedom to care for others, to genuinely put their needs first, to give freely and to give joyfully. The crucifixion of the will, the death of the will longs to hear God say, Andrew Mook is dead. The death of my own will. Uh, Kierkegaard uh, famously uh, said, God creates everything out of nothing and everything which God is to use, he first reduces to nothing. Now remember, we're dealing with the crucifixion of the will, not the obliteration of the will. Crucifixion always has resurrection tied to it. God is not destroying the will but he is transforming it so that over the process of time and experience, we can freely will what God wills. We freely will want what God wants. Are we going to be a church, a family, a community who dies to themselves so God's will can be released in our homes? and released in our friend groups and our social circles and our streets. So how do we do this? A few like dangerous maybe <laughs> ways to pray, powerful ways to pray. Now a quick note on these, the will is surrendered moment by moment as you like face all of the ordinary decisions of home and family and job, like you can't prescribe it, but these are practices to consider. None of these things are ever a one and done thing because we're undoing, the undoing of our own will. I mean, what a challenge that is day in and day out, right? Amen. (laughs) So the first one, learn the prayer of self-emptying. Paul prays in Philippians 2 about the self-emptying of Christ. It says, Christ was in the form of God, but who voluntarily took the form of a servant and became obedient to the point of death. He became nothing. He took on the nature of a servant. This is why the world gets really confused, by the way, when followers of Jesus don't do what they, uh, they don't do what the person that they are an apprentice to told them and commanded them to do. We're not actually following Jesus to become servants of all. There is a pouring yourself out daily, a self-emptying. It's like, here's what I got. It's being honest with what's really there. So two would be learning then the prayer of surrender. 
So once you've emptied out, God begins to point out things. Once you can like take a look, you can humble yourself to realize like I don't have it all and maybe my impulses and wants and desires aren't, aren't all uh, that great all of the time, to put it mildly. God will begin to point things out. We love to in, generally, like, in general sing about surrender. I was looking back through our song lists and there's so many songs that we sing about surrender. We stand in these pews and we like lift our hands, right? Literally for that reason, that's one of the, 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 the purposes of that practice of raising your hands. It's like saying, Lord, I surrender all, I surrender all. And that's easy to do there, right? Until it starts getting specific. And so this prayer is about going with Jesus into the garden and staying awake and watching with him to see like his, those tears and his sorrowing soul, to let your heart be saddened, to, to struggle with him in seeking other options. Acknowledge that you're hoping to avoid the, the cup and then speak his words as your own. You can just join me with that this morning. Where are the places where you need to say, I, I, I want this, but not my will, but yours be done. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to allow Christ in. Third, we need to learn the prayer of release. So self-emptying, surrender, and then the prayer of release. Into your hands, Christ says when he's on the cross. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. I love adopting this prayer for my own life. It's like, into your hands, Lord, I commit my career. Into your hands, I commit my expectations. I'm going to put those in your hands. This is the prayer of death. This is the prayer that Jesus prays from the cross. And then lastly, we need to learn the prayer of resurrection. And all this prayer is, I only want back what's from you. That's all. That's what this prayer is. It's the saying, I want who you made me to be. I want to be in line with life. I want the ground of my being to be in tune with love and joy and peace and beauty and justice and righteousness and all the things of heaven. I want all the good stuff. And I recognize that I don't always know what the good stuff is. I want you to burn up all these visions of, of judgment and apocalypse and uh, wrath or all these images of fire and they're almost all about refining. Burn away all the other stuff. That hurts a little. It hurts to have to burn things out, impurities. But if I want life and if I want John 10, 10, if I want life to the full, there is no other way to get there than the way of death and the prayer and the embodiment of relinquishment. I want the truest thing about me, right? Paul, his name was, before he was Paul, he was Saul. It's like Saul is dead, long live Paul. Andrew is dead, I don't have another name, but like long live Andrew, son of God, child of God. And what this will do, this releases power. We've been talking about this a lot during first week. This releases power. In this prayer, you're acknowledging that God could do anything, even 
in the worst case scenario. It can release something in you. Uh, there's a story uh, which I believe I've told before, but I want to tell again. Uh, Catherine, uh, uh, Sarah Wood Marshall, she lived uh, from September 27th, 1914 until March 18th, March 18, 1983. She was an uh, American author uh, this, of all these inspirational fiction works. She was the wife of this well-known minister, Peter Marshall. Uh, she had this love for God and love for writing that came at this really early age, was really prominent. In her best-selling book, Beyond Ourselves, she offers this guidance on um, all sorts of like key topics. It's, it's really powerful. Forgiveness, suffering, miracles, unanswered prayer, healing. Uh, and then she has this chapter where she writes about this prayer, the prayer of relinquishment. And uh, she said she was introduced to this form of praying uh, in the fall of 1943 during a long illness that kept her in bed. After seeing all sorts of specialists uh, and being persistent in prayer, uh, she used the kind of all her faith she could muster. She did not get well, nothing happened. And so she tells the story of how she was led to make a change in what she was doing in order to get well. She came across this pamphlet that contained a story of a missionary who had been an invalid for eight years. The missionary had prayed that God would make her well. She continued, uh, so she could continue all the work that she was doing. She's like, God, I'm doing all this great work. Will you make me well so I can keep doing this? And she came to the end of what she was doing, still having like no answer to that prayer. And she just prayed this prayer of relinquishment. Lord, I don't know what's gonna happen, but like not my will, but yours be done. She prayed, um, uh, her prayer was, quote, all right, I give up. If you want me to be an invalid for the rest of my days, that's your business. I've discovered that I want you even more than I want health. You decide. These prayers, by the way, don't scare God. <laughs> These aren't irreverent prayers. These are the honest, broken prayers that God's always looking for throughout the scriptures. And so within her story, within two weeks, this missionary was completely healed and out of bed. So Catherine could not forget the story. So she comes to the same point in her own life of relinquishment, of surrender. And she prays, I'm beaten, God, I'm finished. Decide what you want for me for the rest of my life. And then that was actually the beginning, a few weeks later, of her recovery. She felt, she says, quote, as if the windows of heaven had opened up for her. Now, let me be very clear. This sort of like healing following relinquishment does not happen every time. But what she's picking up on is the greater good that God may want to do with whatever you're going through. That there was a bigger story than just her own. There was a bigger story than just her life. Okay, I know this is happening. I know this is uncertain. I didn't plan for this to happen this way. But there is a bigger thing happening and so I'm surrendering to that. I'm this tiny little piece of this big story. I am but dust, and yet I am your child, and I've been appointed for this time and this season in light of all the brokenness around me to join you in what you're doing. And there was this letting go, okay, God, I don't get it. I don't understand. Why does it have to be like this? But not my will, but yours. I know that there's something bigger going on. I I surrender, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is simply saying, admit the possibility. Admit the possibility of what you fear most. 
uh, maybe I won't have any more of that or maybe I'll have to live a life like that. It's like forcing yourself to wake up to uh, whatever thing you might be fearing right now. Hear this. Whatever you might be fearing right now and look it full in the face. Never forgetting that God and his power are still the supreme reality. And when we do that, I'm telling you, the fear begins to evaporate and power is released. Richard Foster says this. He says, we have no fatal resignation. We are buoyed up by a confident trust in the character of God. Even when all we see are the tangled threads of the backside of life's tapestry, we know that God is good and is out to do us good always. And that gives us hope to believe that we are the winners regardless of, regardless of what we are being called upon to relinquish. God is inviting us deeper in and higher up. There is training in righteousness, transforming power, new joys, and deeper intimacy. How good is that? It says in the book of Hebrews that for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he walked the path of death. As hard as it might be uh, for some of us to own this or trust this, this path of relinquishment, the path that begins with not my will, but yours be done. That path of death is one marked with joy because resurrection, because new life, because restoration and renewal and new paths are its outcome. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you um, for this glimpse that we have of Jesus in the garden. This glimpse in what it is to, um, to move closer towards our full humanity, toward being fully alive. And so I pray for my friends, for all those listening in today, in this moment of disorientation and disruption, in the moment where some of us are, um, are just, they feel marked by fear. Uncertainty is producing things in their soul that are not, are not good and not beautiful and they know it. Lord, that you would grant us the strength and the courage to pray and embody this prayer. Not my will, but yours be done and that we would then be a people open to the transformative, life-giving work that only you can do. We pray all of this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.